Cool. Okay, my name is Tristan Wheeler. I'm a friend of Patrick's. I was the youth resident at Harpeth Hills for a couple years, so I've worked in youth ministry for a lot of my life. I currently work at Trader Joe's as a cash register, grocery clerk, stock groceries. Uh, probably the fastest grocery bagger you'll ever meet. Um, it's one of my like claims to, claims to fame. Uh, I have a two-year-old daughter and my wife might be joining us uh, this morning, we'll see. My two-year-old is going through major attachment phases right now, so she's in the nursery. Uh, she might destroy the nursery by the time this is over and we might never come back to Otter Creek, so we'll just see how that goes. Uh, so those are kind of the things about me. We're going to be talking uh, on Sunday mornings about Jesus, Walter White, Ferris Bueller, and me. And we're going to be looking at like the idea of postmodern society where truth is relative and everything is equal. Hey. Hey, that's Tristan Wheeler, everybody. Hey. I'm next door, too, so I'm trying to play two roles. I'm so many of you here. This is great. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but Tristan is a dear friend of mine. Love this guy. He's gonna dazzle you with such wonder. And I here's my goal for us for this summer in our college class is we I want us to have standing room only in the room by the end of the summer. We can do it, people. I mm. believe in us. And so we're gonna invite our friends. It's gonna be a lot of fun because what we're talking about in this series of summer is really, really good. But there you go. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Patrick. I think I think I'm recording. I think it's good. Oh, good. I think I think we're good. Okay. We'll see. Thanks. I should intentionally not have recorded it. I hate the way my voice sounds on repeat. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about this topic: Jesus, Walter White, Ferris Bueller, and me. Uh, how many of you have seen the show Breaking Bad? Uh, okay. I'm. When I started the science teachers class, I just started it, so I just finished season two, and uh, it's really addicting, really good. Uh, it's a really good story. It's very complex. Uh, Ferris Bueller is just one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'll talk a little bit about myself, but not a lot. Uh, but the reason we're going to talk about this is because all these things have in common is this idea of like a great story. So what I want to get started with is, uh, this is my phone number. So if you guys all have your phones, I want you guys to uh, just text me. Uh, if you feel comfortable, it's okay if you don't want to. But uh, just text me your name, um, because we're going to have some stuff that will be like interactive. What I want us to start with this morning is, I want you to, uh, to pick what five movies would you take on a deserted island, okay? So think about that for just a couple minutes. I like to ask people this, see what they think. And uh, text me what five movies you would take on a deserted island. You know, think about this. These are the, the only five movies you're going to have for the rest of your life on this deserted island. So you might want to pick like one comedy, one tragedy, one drama. If you don't watch movies, you could do books. You could pick five books, but I feel like most people watch movies. So go ahead, take like, take like two minutes, then we'll talk about them. All right, let's put it to the group. Does a series count as one movie or multiple. multiple? Okay, so you can't put The Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. That's like over six or seven movies. So you have to pick one of those.
Alright, I've got a timer going. So the end of the timer. All right, so here we go. First list that just popped up. Princess and the Frog, Inglorious Bastards, The Little Mermaid, Shawshank Redemption, and The Green Mile. 21 Jump Street, Star Wars from the original, and Pulp Fiction. All right. Lion King, Brave, Big Hero 6, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, and Inside Out. The Godfather, Gladiator, Shawshank Redemption again, The Incredibles. Breakfast at Tiffany's, Sound of Music, The Parent Trap, Monte Carlo, and Inside Out. It is. It's tough. All right, 30 seconds. The Holiday, Gangster Squad, Love Actually, Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan. Moana. Princess Bride, Remember the Titans, Sound of Music, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. All right, I'll leave this up so you guys can still text me your name. Uh, we can, that way we can uh, talk throughout the week about topics. But, but let's talk about this for a minute. Why is it so hard to pick you know, five movies? There's so many good choices. There's a lot. When you were thinking about your list, you know, a lot of you picked some of the same movies. What is it about when you're thinking about like what makes for a good movie a great story that caused you to pick these? What are the things that have to happen? Good me okay, yeah. So my top five, Moulin Rouge is one of my top five. Like I'm a sucker for musicals. Uh, this gotta have a good soundtrack. Uh, so it has to have good music. What else though? What in the story has to happen for you to... You think about the movies that really get your attention or grip you. What are, th what are events that happen in that story? Uh, like a lot involves like, some sort of tragedy or like, something terrible. 
something bad has to happen. It has to happen pretty early on, right? You have to have something bad happen, and then the rest of the movie is kind of like figuring out from there on. All right, so tragedy, something bad happens. What else? Yeah. You, you don't want a wimpy character. You don't want a wimpy character. Uh, I like that. Um, when you think of well-developed characters, what does that look like to you? Characters that you can relate to and then they can overcome something, but they actually overcome it. They don't just spend the whole time whining about it. Okay. That's a really good point. You have to have a character that um, there's some obstacle, and they don't complain about the obstacle, but they actually take steps towards moving over it or overcoming it or whatever it is. Like, Luke Skywalker in the first Star Wars, he whines so much of that first movie, you know? Hey, this is my wife Hannah, by the way. <laughs> uh, so you have to have characters that uh, overcome something. You have to have characters that, that matter, that are deep, uh, that you can relate to. What else do you think of in these good stories? You have to have a good ending. It's things when it's a, a bad, either to be continued or the bad guys win at the end of it, right? Like, why did I, why did I watch this? Um, you want to have a good ending. You want to feel good at the end of it, like it's satisfying. You want the series to end well. Any other thoughts about what makes a good movie? On the comment about a really well-developed character, um, no character can be perfect. It can't be all good or all bad. They have to have, they have, to have some inner conflict. Um, I put Shawshank on my list. I know somebody else did too. But Andy Dufresne was a good person, and he said at one point in the movie he had to go to prison for him to be a criminal. Mm. But it was, he was he was conflicted in trying to figure out what the ultimate right thing was to do, the overarching right thing was to do. And that's more like real life. It's not like Yeah, that's a really interesting point too, because especially if you look at like a lot of like older film and older TV shows, like the old Disney movies, the bad guy is just bad. Like there's not a lot to it. Like I was watching uh, 101 Dalmatians with my daughter the other day and like Cruella DeVille is just pure evil. There's not any like, you're not like, well, you know, like I could justify why she's killing animals to make these coats. Like, you know, you're just like, no, she's just a bad person. Like the Yeah. Any other, you know, horrific way to eliminate them as a villain. That's right. That's it. Like in like the old westerns were that way where like the good guy kills the bad guy. Like the good guy is good, the bad guy is bad. Like it's very stark like black and white. And then uh, especially I feel like recently there's like a phenomenon of and we're going to talk about this too like the rise of the anti-hero. Like yeah. you watch Breaking Bad or House of Cards or like my wife and I like Bloodline. You watch these shows and like these are people that are doing really bad things and you're like pulling for them to get away with it. You know, you're like, like it's really weird. Like you watch Ocean's Eleven and like they are robbing a casino, but like you pull for them to do it. You know, like I was like, this is interesting. Like, and I, 
even like the bad guy in Ocean's Eleven, you don't like him, you like the thieves, you know? Like, and so we're seeing that with characters, like you want to have a hero, but they have to have like a flaw or a weakness or like a kind of blind spot. And like the villains are made better when they have like some sort of humanity where you're like, ooh, like, I don't know. Like, I thought it was interesting. Apparently, the most used boy name in 2016 was Kylo. Like, how weird is that? Like, hey, that's a horrible idea. Like, but also, like, interesting. Like, parents are like, I like that Kylo Ren guy. He's complicated. Like, interesting. Like, we want these characters that have more depth to it. So, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It's from John 10.10. It says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy the sheep. I come that they might have life and that they might have it in abundance. So think about this idea of having life. Like when we look at stories, we look at movies, and I think because in some way they like spark something inside of us, they capture this idea of like we want to live a good life. Like we want to live a life of meaning, a life of purpose, whatever that is that looks like for us, but we want to live a life that matters. I mean, I think that's why we look, we watch these shows and these movies because in some way we think, oh, I'd like to be like that. You know, I always love any scene, in, especially like a boxing movie, there's the training montage where like what happens over the course of a year is like compiled into like one minute. It always makes me want to go get like a boxing membership. But then like the moment you start boxing, you're like, I'm done. You know, like this is exhausting. But like it shows that kind of like you see that progression, that change, that growth. And I was thinking of this idea of like Jesus is promising us right here an abundant, full life. Not life later on. Not life like in heaven, but life also now. Like it's only a promise for eternity if it starts here and then carries forward. And I was thinking about this topic this week and I had this realization and it's not profound, it's not deep, but it's like the only thing that I really got. And I was like, this is something that we all know, but none of us believe is that we are going to die. You know, this sounds like a horrible way to start like a class for the summer. Like, Great, like I'm not coming again. Like Patrick's like, why is no one coming to the college class? Like, well, the first week he said we're all going to die, you know? But like I was thinking about this, like we all intellectually know that, right? But none of us actually believe it. Because if we believed it, everything I think would change for us. Like we would move and operate completely in our day-to-day life. And I was thinking about when I was about nine years old, my dad, my dad took me to the beach. And it was Cocoa Beach. It's one of the beaches you can surf at in Florida. And my dad got me one of those body boards. And I remember uh, my dad just, my dad was always one of those guys like, just go at it, son. Uh, Like the reverse of a helicopter pilot. Like my dad was like the guy throwing you out of the helicopter. It was just like, good luck. Oh, there's a parachute too, like throwing it after you. And so my dad gave me this body board. I was like, all right, like go out and body surf. So I remember like bodyboarding was having fun. And then there's this one point where, you know, as you start getting more and more confidence, you start trying to tackle like bigger and bigger obstacles. So I swam out like deeper and deeper. And then there's this one, and it was probably only like two feet, but it felt like it was like 10 feet, you know? It felt like that wave to me. And I remember they like pulled up and I was like, this is gonna be epic. And then I had this realization that like, I was always like kind of small and scrawny and the wave all of a sudden like caught me like this. And I realized like, I wasn't in a position to ride it. I was in a position to just get body slammed by it. And the wave just like threw me and the board hit the sand underneath the water first and then just gutted me into the stomach as the wave crashed over. And I just lowered the ocean's level of water by like four inches because I just inhaled like half of it. I just was like, which uh, was horrible. And that was the sound I made too. Uh, Just like inhaled all of the salt water and then, you know, just start 
you have no oxygen, you have no energy. And then uh, the undertow caught me and just like pulled me out. And I remembered as like a nine-year-old boy, just grabbing at the sand and like feeling the sand get underneath my fingernails as I'm like clawing. I remember thinking as nine, like this is it. This is how I go. Like I've lived a good life. I've had a pet. And, like we've gone to a vacation. Like, but this is how I die. Like it is now. I'm done. Uh, I just was. I was at peace with this. Like I was resigned. Like I let go of the climb of the sand and was going to let the ocean. And then this like powerful force like grabbed me by the, the wrist and just like held me straight out of the water. And it was my dad. Like he had seen me and like just had gone like charging out of the water and picked me up. And I think he just carried me like into the beach like this. You know. Like, <laughs> just this ragged limp child and uh but it was this terrifying moment of just thinking like i'm gonna die um but then i quickly forgot about that because that's what we do like when horrible things happen we just forget about them uh but then last year uh my wife and i we gone on vacation and uh, i decided to go surfing and so i i was surfing and and a very similar situation happened to me again and now this time i'm, I'm 29 years old or maybe i'm 30 i can't remember uh but I get caught in the wave, get thrown off the board, and I get caught into like what we affectionately call the washing machine, where you just feel like you're just getting like cycled through, uh, and I could not get out of it. And this time the panic felt so much more real and so much more intense. And I remembered I thinking like I have a I have a daughter, like I have a wife, like I have a I have all these things to actually live for now, and I'm going to die. And there was just everything in me just started scraping and fighting, and like it was one of those moments where. I realized if I didn't break through the waves to get oxygen, I was just, that was it. That was that last moment. I remember that moment when my head popped above the water and just like, I never breathed before. It was one of those moments where like, when I got back to the beach, I was like, have you ever breathed before? It's incredible. Like you should try it, you know? And I just remembered sitting on the beach though for the rest of the, like the afternoon, just thinking about how I had almost died and how valuable and precious and beautiful life is. It's one of those days where you just, I looked at my wife, like I looked at my daughter, like we were, I remember we went out to eat at this burger joint. I remember taking a bite of this burger and I was like, oh my God, like have you ever had a cheeseburger before? Like these jalapenos pop. Like it was amazing because I was like thinking about how precious and unique and beautiful life is. And I saw this interview uh, by, uh, by Warren Zevon. He's a famous musician. It was his last interview with David Letterman. And it was really cool because he was uh, diagnosed with a terminal disease and he was going to die shortly thereafter. And Dave Letterman looked at him and said, is there anything you can tell me about life that you don't think I know? And he goes, I can tell you that you should enjoy every sandwich. Singing about that, like when you know like that your time is limited, when you know you only have a finite amount of time, a finite amount of resources, it gives everything this intrinsic heavenly value. You start realizing that like everything is beautiful, everything is wonderful. Like your interaction with this person, you're like, this person's alive. I'm alive. Like, let us be living beings. Let us take advantage of this, full advantage of this. I want to show you a clip from one of my favorite movies. Let's see if this works. I think it's gonna work. Have you guys ever seen this movie, Stranger Than Fiction? Of course, there's a commercial. (laughs) 
This is actually what I wanted to show you, just a, a violent video. There we go. All right, have you guys ever seen that movie before? Okay, so that movie is uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's called Stranger Than Fiction. Will Ferrell's character lives this completely horrible, boring life. And then one day he starts realizing that somebody is narrating it. This British woman is narrating his life, uh, and he continues to go on his life. And then in that scene, the narrator says that little did he know, he would soon die. And at that point, Will Ferrell's like, what? What's happening? Like, he had this realization, uh, and we'll show another clip in a few minutes. But this idea, like, he realizes, like, he is going to die. And so it triggers a lot of him actually making a difference. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Anthony DeMello. And he has this parable, and I wanted to share it with you. It says, Yuez the Sufi was once asked, What has grace brought you? He replied, When I wake in the morning, I feel like a man who is not sure he will live till evening. Said the questioner, But doesn't everyone know this? Said Yuez, They certainly do but not all of them feel it. And so like, my question is, what would, it, what would life look like? What would it feel like if you knew like, that maybe this evening would be your last? Like, what would change about your life just today if you knew today was like, the last day you had? Like, let's just all entertain. Like, let's pretend for a minute that we knew at the end. Like, we would all have a wonderful, beautiful, peaceful night of sleep, and we're not going to wake up. So what would you do differently about today? What would make today different? Yeah, and that's, and that's okay that we don't. Like, I'm not saying that, like, I don't mean this to be like a guilt trip. Like, but yes, like it does put it in a perspective. Like, would be kind. One of my favorite authors, he gave a commencement speech, and he said that the things he regretted most in life were moments were when he failed to be kind. I think that's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. What else would change about today for you? What do you think? What, how would the day look different for you? You can even think of things that you would not do or things that you would do. There's no right or wrongs. My first thought was a little more selfish. I thought I would have an amazing dinner. <laughs> I also thought I would snuggle my little girl and 
Okay, they're snuggling in later today. <laughs> in play. Okay, so you would eat an incredible meal. You would spend time with your loved ones. Maybe that's what you're saying. You spend time with your loved ones. What else? Why? I mean, cause I, if I knew that this was my last day alive, I would want to do something that I have never done before. Mm. So. That's really good. Any other thoughts? Playing off that, it would be like your last chance to like try these things or the adventure. You would kind of feel like maybe you didn't have anything to lose either. Like, especially, I think for me, a lot of times there's things I want to try to do. And uh, it's not, like, fear of death that prevents me from them. It's more of, like, fear of humiliation or fear of ridicule or just even looking stupid. So I'm like, I don't want to look stupid. But if I knew I was going to die, I was like, well, I won't have to be embarrassed for very long, you know? <laughs> um, so it's just, like, <laughs> worth pursuing or maybe it's worth engaging in. Or that thing, like, we all have that, right? One of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver, she says... In one of her poems, The Journey, one day you finally knew what you had to do and began. And I think inside all of us, there's something that like, we know we should do or something we want to do. And we just keep ignoring that voice that's calling us to whatever it is. We keep finding an excuse to put it off till tomorrow. There's another clip I want to show you from Stranger, uh, Stranger Than Fiction. And uh, it's about the quality of pancakes. You said 10.45 for class to end, is that right? Okay. All right, we're just going to go ahead and cut back because I don't think it's going to work. Um, pretty much so what he says in that clip is he says, uh, he's like, go, you know, Harold keeps trying to figure out a way that he can maybe stay alive longer. And he's talking to this professor of literature on, you know, how to, how to do this. And Professor finally is like, I, look, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, like, everyone dies, so just go live the life you've always wanted to live. And Harold pretty much says, like, I'm, I'm trying to do that. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. And he goes, look, Harold, like, just go eat pancakes if you wanted to. And uh, Harold's like, who between eating pancakes 
and staying alive would choose eating pancakes. And the professor goes, I think, Harold, if you were honest with yourself, that would, that would depend a great deal on the quality of life being lived and the quality of pancakes being eaten. <laughs> and then he just walks away. And Harold stands there, like, astounded. But there's this idea of, like, okay, so, like, go live your life, whatever that is. And uh, right after college, uh, one of my roommates and I, we were hanging out, and we started just talking about, like, all the things we, were, we would hope to one day do. And we're like, one day we'll go, uh, like, drive to the beach. Like, one night we'll just stay up all night and we'll, like, drive to the beach, you know. And we'll get there at sunrise and then we'll drive back later that day. And, like, we'll, uh, we'll get, like, spray paint cans and, like, we'll go, like, make graffiti. Like, just one time and hopefully we won't get caught. But that was, like, one of the things we would do one day. Uh, and then we started, like, writing all these things down on a chalkboard. And we realized that, like, this phrase kept reoccurring, though. One day. One day we would do these things. And then my roommate... He said, no more one day, Tristan, like right now. And he was like, let's go drive to Florida right now. I was like, Ben, we have to go to work. Like we were both working the third shift at UPS at the time. So we have to go to work at UPS at 10 p.m. And he's like, okay, when we get off, we're driving to Florida. When we get off at 3 a.m., we're driving to Florida. It's like, I don't know, man. He's like, why not? Like, what are we going to do? I was like, I don't know. And he's like, give me one good reason why we won't do this. And this is a very quiet, timid individual. For him to get confrontational, that's just very rare. I was like, I, I don't know. Like, we'll be tired. He's like, and? I like, and I'm lazy. And he's like, okay, so? So we drove to Florida that night. And it was cool because it just kind of started to trigger this idea, this, like, mentality. It's like, okay, when we found ourselves saying, like, one day, we're like, okay, let's replace it with now. And some of the things we couldn't just, like, do immediately, but you can always start, like, working towards some of these things later on. You can be like one day I'll write that book or one day like I'll take that acting class or one day I'll or you can be like I can write a page today or like or I can learn a monologue today or I can do whatever it is I can go on a walk I can run like but you can always start something today like you can start living your life right now today the Japanese have a really cool word for this um, it's called ikagi and the idea is it's what gets you out of bed in the morning so I was like thinking about this. When you guys like wake up, like what is the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning? Like when you wake up, what are you like, this thing has to happen today or this thing has to happen enough times for me to feel that life is worth it. So what are those things for you? What are the things that you feel like this is why I get out of bed? Or even the things that you aspire or dream to be. This is why you want to get out of bed. Yeah, the people that you care about. That's really important. That's a really big one. We were meant to live in community. We weren't meant to be alone. What other thoughts? It's scary. I understand. These are not easy questions, and these are kind of scary questions. And they're even very vulnerable to share in front of like a group of people. But, like, what are things that you know you think of? That is a really lame excuse. That's good. Like, you want to be there. Like, you want to show up for life. 
That's awesome. Any other thoughts? I had two. Um, the first was like when, when, it's, when I'm in school, like I get up so I can go to classes, but I have classes because I want to be an engineer. I want to be an engineer because I want to serve people. So kind of rippling through that, the reason I get out of bed during school is because ultimately I want to serve people for being an engineer. And then over the summer, I have a job. I'm not necessarily getting up for classes. And I'm not necessarily getting up because I want to serve people long term, but I have a job in the summer because I don't want to say no to people during the year at any point in time because of financial reasons. Like I don't want to say, sorry, I can't go to like climbing with you because I can't afford to get in, kind of thing. Mm. So it's that kind of thing. It's like I don't necessarily care for the job for the sake of production myself, but I want to get there and be like, I'm sorry, I'm a party pooper because I wasn't willing to get a job in the summer. Yeah. That's really cool. So you're thinking of like a lot of things either like further down the line or like that would be impacted because of these things. Like, and that's a really important point and something that's really interesting. Trader Joe's is by like no means like my dream job. Like this is not the thing where I'm like every morning I wake up and I'm like yes. Like this is what I've been waiting for. Like I've been training my whole life to bag groceries and participate in small talk. You know, like this is not it. Like it's like I know it sounds attractive. Like we're hiring, but like this isn't. This isn't my like. This isn't my end goal. This isn't like the thing I'm. Up, but like, I have like a beautiful wife and I have a two-year-old daughter, and I'm like, providing for them is one of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning. Like that is like an honorable and noble thing. And there's also like other things in my life that I substitute for that. Like so, you think of like, you wanting to serve people. You're like, going to class is not like yes. Like I love going to class, but you're thinking like, this helps me get closer to being an engineer, which helps me get closer to this goal. So like it's good to sometimes think about like this thing that maybe is uncomfortable or unenjoyable can lead later on to something great. Kind of the, one of the last things I want to talk about, especially as we wrap up, is uh, this idea of like we've all heard before, like you come up with like a mission statement for your life, like what is it that you want like, your life to do? And on that last page I showed you a quote, it's like is life something that happens to you or something you create? Are you just like a passive participant in life or is like life something actively that you work on? So I was like thinking about this and a friend of mine shared it. So I like this morning I said, okay, like if I came up with a mission statement, what would it be? And I was like, um, to live in constant awareness of the grace and divine mystery surrounding and sustaining me in every moment. Like that is ultimately when I get up, like this is how I want to be and operate in the world. But then my friend of mine was like, what would your contra mission statement be? Like what would the opposite? Like those times when you live in sin or rebellion, when you're saying like, I'm living the opposite of the way I want to be. And so I was like, that was a difficult one, but I realized like this is probably what it'd be like withdrawal from the love and generosity of life by becoming a resentful, arrogant, and cynical jerk. So like, I was like, if I'm brutally honest with myself, there are times where this is like the, the mission statement I believe in and kind of operate and live by. Have you guys ever had that before? Like I love the, the verse Paul has where he says like, I don't do the things I want to do and I do all the things I don't want to do. Like there are moments in my life where I'm like, why am I doing this again? Like why am I in this argument again? Why am I having this? Like, because sometimes like we live counter to the way we actually say and want and think we believe. I want to end with this verse and then we're going to have a quote and then I want to end each class which is kind of like a benediction for you guys, like something to take through the week. But I love this verse and I, we're just going to focus on the last line. If you guys like want to write it down, it's Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. But the last part says, for we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I don't know if you guys know, but that word for workmanship is where we get the, the word for poetry or poem. So kind of what God's saying is like, you are a divine poem that God is writing. And you think about some of like the greatest narratives were written in poem form, like the Iliad, the Odyssey, like some of the absolute great stories of heroics. You know, the movie Troy is based off of, you know, the Iliad. Like, so you think about God is writing this beautiful poem that is like your life, this idea. And then the great rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel at the end of his life, when he asked what he would tell young people, he said, above all, remember that the meaning of life is to live it as if it were a work of art. You're not a machine. When you're young, start working on this great work of art called your own existence. So this idea like, if you could change the way you view your life, instead of something that's happening to you, but something you get to work on, something that you get to create, that your life is in itself like a beautiful poem and that you get to help write it. That you get to co-write with God like what the lines are going to be in each like subsequent page. And as we wrap up class, I want to just share with you guys this, this quote and serve as kind of like a benediction to carry you through the week. But it's by Eric Roth, and it says, For what it's worth, it's never too late or in my case, too early, to be whoever you want to be. There's no time limit. Stop whenever you want. You can change or stay the same. There are no rules to this thing. We can make the best or the worst of it. I hope you make the best of it, and I hope you see things that startle you. I hope you feel things you never felt before. I hope you meet people with a different point of view. I hope you live a life you're proud of. If you find that you're not, I hope you have the courage to start it all over again. I hope you guys have an awesome week and you have the courage to start things over again. That's all.